Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Right. And again, we <laughs> sort of say that and we go, yeah, uh-huh. <coughs> Simple well, maybe, but not easy. <coughs> Excuse me today. I have a bit of a cold. We've had a lot of rain and cold and... Uh, We've seen a lot of sick people, actually, and helped them, and uh, I think I caught some. It's not a flu. I don't feel terrible, but definitely may hear it in this show. You may hear it. Yeah, from, and from I know that Steve, our producer's fighting one. Jenny's got a I've little got one. got a little one. Got our water all <coughs> ready yeah, here. Yeah, we're, we're set in our little uh, things that we suck on that keep us going. Yeah. But one thing is I want to say hello to all my friends uh, back east in New Jersey and Florida that I grew up with, and they've been wonderful. Uh, I love them, and uh, considering the way we grew up and the way we've turned out, they've turned out to be some very compassionate and caring and empathetic people, and uh, I appreciate them really a lot. In fact, a couple of them are coming out from New Jersey to see my wife and myself um, the 19th. Next week. Wonderful. Yeah, they're great people. There's a lot of them. Anyway, um, this is an interesting show. I want to... I've, we talked about what this format is like. We did one, the previous episode yeah. show, and this one, and maybe one more. Yes. And uh, I think it's a really good one. Um, Can I just kind of set that up yeah, for people? Would that be all right if I step it. in for just yeah, a moment? I think so. So our last episode, uh, I think it was number 55, uh, was the start of what we're thinking is going to be a, maybe about a three-part series on hope. And we're talking about practical hope, not pie-in-the-sky hope, but practical hope from a personal perspective, and the personal perspective is coming from Peter. Um, these episodes are a little different in that I am going to be more interviewing Peter. Instead of being so much of a co-host, he's going to be slightly more of a guest, a uh, very special guest. Our last uh, last time... Uh, about the topic of hope, understanding hope, practical hope, we got into some material around what gets in the way, what makes it hard for us during adversity, hard times, to hang on to hope. We we talked about that, and that was, if I were going to pick a theme out of what we talked about, and we talked about quite a bit, that was maybe more the, the emphasis mm-hmm. last time. Today... Uh, what we would like to uh, get a little more into is what is practical hope like? What does it do for us? Why is it essential? What does it enable us to do? Uh, And again, what we're talking about here is not easy to do, but it is essential. It's essential, right. And we're going to be drawing on personal experience, uh, real-life personal experience, Uh, as we talk about this today. Right. Well, you know, we're talking about um, just one thing that you had mentioned that I've been involved in uh, 
the psychology of trauma recovery for 49, almost 50 years. But actually, my experiences uh, in uh, <laughs> Arsenal go back a lot further than that. And that, too, has been very much a part of my life and my work for a long time. And I've drawn upon a lot of those earlier experiences as well. Um, and I find that all of it has made me in stronger. And uh, it's interesting. It's like a preparation for what comes next. And the things that come next just seem to be harder. Uh, and as we, as we go through it, what I find is that I've never been a person to run away. I've always been a person that has moved toward or embraced struggles and adversity, particularly when it had to do with caring for other people um, in various modes of life. And I've been, before I was a psychologist and psychotherapist, where now I'm a mentor and consultant and a life coach and tra for trauma recovery. I was also in a different world in New Jersey. I was a builder in the construction world and that was a different world but I gained a lot of experience um, that I carried forward and uh, those were hard times too very difficult and frightening but at the same time <clears throat> I survived them and I came out and I came out wounded definitely with a, a good case of PTS from some of it but you know one of the things that I did re re get out of it as I healed was a new sense of confidence and strength and uh, I don't always have to, you know, it's manifested itself when I was younger and pride and, and uh, <laughs> you know, young, big shot. But, you know, now that I'm older, I look back on it and what it really is, is it's, it's something that has helped me in the midst of tremendous difficulties, and I've been through many, mine and other folks, um, to know that I can get through it. And that out of it, better things will come, even when I can't see what they're going to be in the, when I'm in the midst of it. So, you know, I, I just like to preface all of this today is, yes, we have the framework for hope and how important it is. But also, uh, we have an understanding of what it's like, and I can speak from experience now, uh, probably more than ever in my life, that it's not separated from going through difficulties. It's not... Um, avoiding them or or uh, being untouched it's the opposite so when we're in the midst of it what's an amazing thing is you're still going to go through everything everybody else does emotionally the discouragement the despairs the fears all of that but the key for me has always been to remember that's an emotionality that goes with it and it's normal and because of the work I've done and do I do know how to deal with it I know how to get through it as painful as it is, and I have plenty of that in my life these days. Um, but deep within myself, a lot of my hope is based on what I've been through and gone through and got through um, in the past. And I know that I'll get through this, <laughs> and I know that the people we're helping will get through what they're going through, even though the hardships and the adversity and struggle is very much a part of their life. I consider it to be a condition of life and a lot of people don't want to admit that or even relate to it but it is it's a condition of life it's not something that's extraordinary it's something that's real so once you accept that it's in more generic terms it's a bummer it really is from my early days of speaking like that it is 
and it's tough and it hurts and I hurt and people that we help hurt um, but yet at the same time I know that they're going to get through it and I know I'm going to get through it in fact there's going to be some kind of purpose and meaning um, that's going to shape me into what I'm uh, to be a better person and to prepare me for the next part of my life so I look at it as more like a, as part of a tapestry of life um, not as just one unique stage of life and that's it but when we're going through it I also know that I give it my best and I and uh, if it's caring for loved ones if it's caring for those in need it's whatever the demands are at the time I give it a hundred percent and that's a hard way to go I admit it but I know that eventually I'll come out of it for the better and it will make me a better man a better person um, when I'm in the midst of it I can't really say I feel great in fact sometimes I feel like it's living hell and it is but I also know that I'll get through it and that there will be a new day and I always know that and it's always true so I live by that and uh, there's been a book written called the type R personality and it's a trans it's called transformative resilience and I'll tell you something, it was written by Alma and Stephanie Marston. It confirms to me, and it's written in a nice way, a good way, of things that I've been living and doing and working with for a long time, longer, way before this book came about. Although I think it's a very good book, and it's a good reminder. Um, but I appreciate what they're talking about. And they've been through hard times too. Um, anyway, and I think, is it Stephanie, the younger one, or Alma? But she went through some devastating accidents. She wasn't supposed to ever walk again. And I don't remember all the details. But through that time of feeling powerless and feeling, you know, that she had, she couldn't do anything. She had to accept what was going on. She had to rehabilitate with no guarantee that she was ever going to walk again. <clears throat> but through that time, she talks about seeing her vulnerability as a human being. Um, recognizing the fragility of life and how precious it is uh, and she developed a new appreciation for life out of it she did come out of it um, she is walking I, I expect but what I think is she's a lot better person for it but she had to come to that place of being absolutely stripped to her core self seeing the good and the bad see the direction in life that was not going well and maybe by the world's standards it was but not by her personal standards so i know she came out of this speaking about a greater appreciation for life a deeper compassion for her fellow man and a new sense of purpose in her life to me those things are core and essential to having um being able to make a good life through through adversity and difficulty so I think the book is really good I think what we do is really important and really good that's why we're doing these shows but I like it in another way too and that it's so much in some ways I don't mean to sound strange but I am so grateful in some ways for what we're going through and what I'm going through because when I speak to someone and when I speak about I get it and I understand I mean it because I'm there too and it's so 
to me, it's a gift to 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 feel like a fellow human being again. Not a not a psychologist, not someone with a lot of education only, <clears throat> but a fellow human being on his own journey and on a journey to reach his own humanity and to, to give and help others and to come alongside them. And when I say I understand, I mean it. And they usually know this is not just talk. So to me, that's a gift. It comes hard, but I'd have, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's like finding gold. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. In our first segment today, uh, Peter opened our time today talking about hope, practical hope, and its essential nature for going through hard times. Uh, Peter was giving us a a really good overview and talking about... um, the life experiences that he has gone through, not just professionally but personally, mm-hmm. that um, as he approached them with the the intent, the knowledge that he could get through them, that better things were coming, uh, enabled him to build, as he went through his life, more confidence, more strength, more resilience, um, to become, he said, a better man, to become more compassionate, to have a, a deeper sense of purpose in his life, to be a fellow human, to be able to come by, come beside other people who are having hard times. Yeah. I wanted to ask you something uh, as a follow-up to that, and that is that you talked about through your life uh, coming from a place of, I can get through this, uh, better things will come, things are very hard, but I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not a universal experience uh, for people. Not everyone feels that way. I'm wondering if you learned that from someone or whether, how how did you, I know that you said and it was clear that that built for you. The more you went through hard times, you built more and more on your ability to, to have mm-hmm. trust that you could get through it and that better things would come. But in the beginning, do you remember how you started that way? Was it someone who set an example? Was it just always in you? It must have been in me, but I didn't know it um, because I had challenges that drove me so far the other way into discouragement and despair and self-loathing, if we're talking about really early. But I, I also came to a point that I had some kind of inner strength that came to I guess it was a desperation that I had to make new decisions about myself and my life and how I wanted to live it. It was like I had to reframe my life. I had to reframe the difficulties and the struggles and the challenges instead of letting them defeat me, 
<clears throat> although they were very painful, and many of them, um, it was a refusal to let them defeat me. It was a refusal to be um, destroyed by them. And Can I ask one quick question? Had you experienced, it sounds like you had experienced what it felt like to be defeated. Absolutely, and to be victimized. Um, it's interesting today, if I have an aggressive side, and I do, it's a, it comes to the forefront when I see other people that are victimized or bullied <coughs> or treated during their very t vulnerable, broken times with exploitive kinds of uh, approaches. I've seen it with corporations do it. I've seen certain medical companies do it. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen elderly treated that way, children. It's just something I have in me, but it really goes far back to when I remember what it was like to not have anybody there to protect me or to advocate for me. And I've done it actually professionally as an advocate in hospitals for folks that were really terrified and um, had to deal with actually not only their their sickness, but also the system and how they were getting pushed around. I remember so many different times I was called in to advocate for them. Um, and they didn't have the strength at that point or the confidence I remember they were very, they were frightened because they felt that if they really stood up for themselves, that they wouldn't receive the right, they wouldn't receive the help that they needed. They would be treated poorly or uh, neglected or whatever. And even if they fabricated that, that's what they felt. And then I'd be called in to help them and to advocate. It, I can't really say I've ever, no, I can't say that's not true. It's I have seen where there was neglect and and kind of, uh, I wouldn't call it revenge, but get backs by certain staff at times. I did see, I have seen that. But I've seen a lot of times where it wasn't like that, but there was a certain coldness. There was a harshness when people needed compassion and empathy and understanding and support, and they weren't getting it. And they didn't have a family to do with that either, that I was called in. And um, those folks, I, yes, I can advocate for them. And I, I would, <laughs> I have that capability to this day. Um, I do it for my own, our, our own staff. I do it for my wife, and that I do step in, and um, and for others. You know, when I've seen folks that work with us at hospice not treated well, not by hospice, but by out, I don't put up with that. They're they're too good. They they do so much good, and they care, and they're giving, and they're. Hmm. They're angels, and if I see them treated badly, I don't. That doesn't f go well, and I do feel, not just feel protective. I will advocate for them, even in my own broken state. So I have the t the ability to be very vulnerable and broken, but also, if need be, to advocate and stand up for what needs to be taken care of and stri uh, protected. I have those abilities. Not everybody has that. I do. And that came out of a time in your life when you, you said that you felt s desperation and that you were uh, being victimized yourself, possibly, and you needed to reframe and be refused to be defeated. And that at that point, you started building on the attitude of, I can get through this and better things will come. They, they uh, over time, they did come. Uh, uh, that's that's what I came to realize. They will. There'll be another day, and 
as long as I stay on a path of growth and making the best and reframing very stressful or difficult situations in a new way. Can you give an example of that? Is there something that comes to mind about how you <coughs> it would be easy to see something that happened as, as in a negative way that you instead turn it around to be something that can bring something good to you? Well, there's a lot. There's been a lot. Um, there's been many things. The, the outstanding, I guess the outstanding things, not that I want to go back to my childhood, but uh, there have been people, all of my mentors have passed away, people that I looked up to, and uh, people that meant a lot to me. And uh, I know when they passed, a lot of other folks just fell apart and felt that they couldn't go on or um, they just they just let the distress destroy them. Um, I didn't do that. Although I felt the loss deeply, I was able to get on my feet and continue on my own journey. Uh, I carry them in my heart, these folks, but not where I let the grief or the loss uh, turn me away from the path that I've been on. And these folks that passed away helped me stay on that path at times. They were terrific. So when I lost them, I could have gone sideways myself. But because of past experiences earlier than that, I didn't let that happen. But I do feel, it's not like I'm in denial and pretending. I feel the losses and I feel the pain and the grief plenty. Um, it's So I can feel and at the same time continue to move forward. And that's the hope that I have. It gives me this, it, it gives me an energy to, to, to go forward in spite of uh, my losses and pain. So I'm again. I'm facing probably some of the bigger, biggest losses right, loss right now. I'm facing that, and my heart breaks because uh, it's for my wife, mm -hmm. and I look at her and I adore her, and I will do anything for her, and I do. Um, and at the same time, as deeply as I feel grieved at what she's going through, and I would do anything to alleviate her she her grief her her what she's going through i there's also a part of me that realizes there's nothing i can do and i have to accept what she's going through comfort her nourish her love her surround her with the best people um and give her everything that she needs to to continue on her journey i also know that life isn't going to end when lynn goes on to a better place um, even though I still feel tremendous grief um, and loss, even though she's still here, it's called uh, ambiguous ambiguous grief. It's yeah. for real. Mm -hmm. um, I do, and it gets. I'm a pretty intense guy, so you can imagine what I emotionally feel. But for some, as much as I go through, as much as I know how to deal with it, um, there's a part of me that knows there's going to be a better day, that this isn't going to last. Um, it may feel, and I, here's one of the things I'll tell you that I've discovered lately that really means a lot to me. Even though I'm going through horrendously painful times, taking care of my wife, and um, and also I have my own, I have, I have injuries from 
sports event, horse yeah, events. You're in pain. I have pain. Personal, physical pain Yes, right now. I do, and it hurts too. Yeah. But um, I live with that. I'm used to it. I've been in sporting events my, most of my life, and I'm, I'm okay. It doesn't mean I don't feel it. I do. But one of the things that I um, see that can, is going to come out of this is a much deeper empathetic compassion for other people that are going through this. And to me, that's a gift. It's a true gift that I can come alongside other people with a true understanding of the difficulties and the hellishness and the despair and of what they're having and give them hope by example. Not by just what I say, although that helps, but by who I am. And I can say, I've been there too, and I know what you're going through and mean it and they'll know I mean it because they'll feel it and at the same time I don't have to be completely crushed um, and ineffectual but instead be be useful and I think that's one of my greatest purposes in life and I guess at times in my life I've had enemies not by anything that I've asked for but they come and when they think they're defeating me and sometimes it sure looks that way well, the truth of the matter is they're sorely misguided because every time I see that and I feel the emotion of it, I also feel that I know good will come out of it, and it happens every time. So even those folks that have been just scoundrels of deceit and uh, have meant to hurt me, well, didn't mean they don't hurt me, but they sure don't destroy me. In fact, so much good usually comes out of it. So I know that deeper down. That's part of my hope. Mm -hmm. I had a follow-up question, but I see that we're close to a break, and I don't want to get started on that. So how about if we go to our break, and we'll come back with the question. Okay. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. In our last segment, Peter was talking about, I had asked him a question about following up on how did he come to have such a, a hold on believing, knowing that he could get through difficult times and that better things were to come. And uh, Peter mentioned life experiences in which he was defeated, but then got to a desperate point where he wanted to, ref he was refusing to stay there. He was not going to be defeated. He was going to reframe what was happening to him and find ways to come through it and move forward. And Peter, you mentioned a couple of things as you were talking about uh, that and about the value that this has had in your life to be more empathetic. Uh, you mentioned that um, for, for Lynn, you mentioned that the, thing, the experiences you've gone through have helped you not only to go through this, but to be able to be there to give her what she needs now. And just before our break, you mentioned that, that 
these experiences have also helped you to be useful and not ineffectual. And so my question is, um, it sounds like this is related to hope, that the ability to uh, find things to do, find what's important, learn, uh, do research, grow, find answers, go out and do what can be done, rather than flail around, kind of not knowing what to do with yourself. Those are all part of the lesson that comes from this as well. Seems to be. Seems to be. Doesn't mean that we don't come up against unknowns all the time. Because um, in the battle of sickness, dying, and death, boy, do the changes come too. And um, unless it's just shock trauma where it's really quick, it's what what worked one day it may not work the next. Um, but I do I do find that I can think of my feet and I have a confidence about that. That um, if I in fact I can use this sense of well being ineffective or not having the answers or struggling, knowing that even within that there'll be an answer and there'll be a way for me to find the energy to move forward and to use my energy in new ways to help. So it, it kind of helps me reorganize my thinking. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a control freak, uh, and I use that word generically, but I, I don't. I don't think it's that. It's, it's different. It's almost like I evaluate the situations after I've felt all of these things and gone through them and realize there's going to be answers that come out of this that's going to help me for the next challenge, whatever it may be. And that, in fact, based on what I've learned from what other people might consider a failure or a defeat, I don't look at it that way for too long because I look at it, that's where I'm going to gather information, where I'm going to learn something new. It's going to teach me something new for whatever the next steps are. So I value, I need it, and I want it. Be, and not that I like it. I'm not saying I like adversity. I'm not saying that I really enjoy pain. That is just not true. But I know it's part of life, and uh, I'll use it. If and when it comes, I'll. I know it's not going to defeat me, but I'm going to feel everything that everybody else feels. I I'm hear not you. immune. I hear you saying that another added. Another attitude that's essential, aside from hope, is a willingness to learn. Absolutely. I think hope gives us the energy. Um, and also, it's like it's almost like taking something that looks like a defeat or failure and reframing it, or a distress. And the distresses can be very intense. Um, and it's reframing it in a p- more positive, constructive way. As I move and as we help other people move through their emotions, there's going to be something that we're going to be able to to reap out of that that's going to help us. And then I teach people how to do that. But I couldn't... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I couldn't do that if I hadn't been through it myself. There's no psychology book in the world that's going to teach you that. Um, and I've studied plenty of psychology and plenty of theories. And frankly... Um, yeah, they're in me, but I don't think as a theorist. I think as a person who's practical and real and genuine and down-to-earth, and that's the way I want to keep it. Um, I don't want anything that keeps me too disconnected from my fellow man and their suffering and pain and adversity. I want to feel connected. I find that those other, my training, my skills, my education, actually, without even being aware of it, 
disconnected me from my fellow man, became a barrier. And even the way I, even if I thought I wasn't doing it, it was the way people would respond to me as an authority. A very obviously, people tell me a very powerful authority, and that I, you know, have a strong presence. But I also know that mm, that's not really where the real power is, anyway. Can I? And I think this is connected. Let me just ask you. Sometimes when people are going through hard times, some types of people tend to want to withdraw, to isolate. Uh, you're talking about how important it is for you not to disconnect uh, and the, how you value the connection with other people. Um, it sounds like that's true for you when times are hard. Uh, and then after you've gotten through them, to be able to then reach out and connect with others who are going through hard times. That's true. What would you say to people who, and I think I may, you know, my, my tendency for quite a while was, if things were hard, I tended to pull in and isolate. What would you say to someone uh, like that? Uh, now we're talking, Peter's got to find empathy. <laughs> and this is one of those, uh, Peter's not so good at this one. Um, it, I've been like a strong man for a long time. And uh, I just, wherever there's a crisis, emergency, or whatever, I go, I, I get into, I go to it if that's what's in my face. I don't run away where I watch a lot of other people avoid it. And um, if you're asking me what would I tell those folks, I would tell them to not run and to fortify themselves against the desire to run. I have that desire when I see things too. I just don't do it. And I would say to people, I know what they're feeling because I feel it too, except I don't act on it and run or bury my head in the sand or avoid. Um, if something needs to be taken care of and addressed, I do it. I usually come out of it for the better. Uh, there's been very uh, certain situations in my life that st will always stand out. Um, and uh, I remember one that was uh, a long time ago, but there was a very serious car accident, and I was going on vacation with my family. And uh, I noticed that the traffic had been stalled. It was on 280, and this is in California. And uh, interestingly, a car had s flipped over, and um, a number of the participants, well, one of them was thrown out the, the Others were hanging out of it. And when I finally got up to it, I didn't see one person get out to help. And I was, it was a gruesome picture. The man that was thrown out, people kept <coughs> driving over him like it was a dead carcass. Oh. It was the most oh. appalling situation. And I stopped right away and uh, jumped out. And um, I took a look at the man. that he was, he was dead. And I realized I better get on with those that are still living. And it was a bride's, it was a, a wedding party. And the bride was hanging halfway out of the thing and her dress was covered with blood. And uh, the car was on its side and I knew it could blow up. And I pulled her out. And there were a number of other people I pulled out. And yet, and I looked over, I'll never forget this, to the side of the road next to it. And there were about five or six other people that were part of the wedding party. And they didn't lift a finger to help. And here's, I know, I should have our, our guest Mimi on because she can educate Peter again. But I remember looking at going, are they kidding me? 
I got to drag all these other people out of this car. These people are part of the wedding party, and they're not these doing are, anything. These are their loved ones. Yes. Not a thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I know part of me was appalled. I didn't have time to get into it. Uh, but I looked at them, and I was like, what is wrong with them? Their loved ones are, one has died, others are, could be blown up any minute in the car, and nobody's lifting a finger. So, um, and that included the traffic passing by, no one even got out to help. So, I did that, and I waited for the, the paramedics eventually came, you know, and, and uh, once I saw it, and got everything laid out for them as best I could, and saw that everything was in good hands, I could then move on but um i wouldn't say that peter bernstein is the most empathetic person to people that don't want to help or are petrified that they just will not do anything um sometimes i remember saying to people hey let's get on with it get over here and give a hand i did it with those people and they didn't do a thing they were terrified. They may have been frozen. They were shocked. They yeah. were shocked. Yeah. But it, in the midst of it, I've been shocked too, many times. And I just will not let the shock stop me, where other people will. I would encourage people that have the tendency to want to just, not just freeze, but to not budge and watch others sick, get sick, get killed, get die, whatever it is, to turn that around. Because... The people that are helping, like myself, feel just as frightened and just as overwhelmed as they are, except we engage with it and we, we do whatever it needs to help these folks that are in need. I would encourage them to realize how important that is because they're going to have to live with themselves after they've stopped running away. And frankly, I wouldn't want to trade places with anybody like that. You just said something I want to just point out again. You said that people like you in that accident could be feeling just as scared as the people who were frozen on the sidelines. I mean, the car could have exploded yeah. while you were pulling somebody out of yeah. it. You could be feeling just as scared, but you were acting That's right. on a need that you saw happen. Yeah. I don't know that people get that. I think sometimes they look at someone like you who rushes in and can act and thinks, oh, he, he's he, not a problem. He just goes in and does it. But it's not always true. Courage means there's fear. And, That's uh, right. And people can get very myopic and think, oh, everybody else is better than I am and I'm too scared to do this. That's okay. That would be a more empathetic understanding. But yeah, that's true. I get it. Um, like I said, I wasn't. <coughs> I wasn't always that. the most courageous person in life. Uh, yeah. But at a younger age, I had to come to a place of finding courage. I didn't know that's what it was. But it, it's that new di new direction in my life has done me has helped me a lot to get through very difficult situations and to help other people get through difficult situations. I don't expect to run away um, from what's happening with Lynn. I'm going to be there to her last breath. I promised her that, and I promised myself that. And I grieve and hurt deeply, all any time. Not all the time, but a good part of the time. And yet I know that whatever she needs, I'm going to be there for her the best I can, or I'm going to have people around her that are going to be just as good as I am, if not better and more capable. 
and as far as I'm concerned, the people, including yourself and others on our staff, are angels. They have capabilities. Um, they have a heart. They're selfless. They know how to be loving. One of the components of love, and, I, and it's in the Bible, um, is to be selfless and unselfish. And I believe that. And um, I know that Lynn is surrounded by selfless, caring people that are so good and also so darn effective in what needs to be done. And some, sometimes, many times, better than I am at it. I'll tell you that. And, um, you know, I want to help in a lot. The answer many times is, we got it, Peter. <laughs> and I hear that one too much. It isn't always because we think we're more effective. It's because the, the intensity experience for you. Is at a different level I know, I than know. for us. And I love it. I, I appreciate, <laughs> I, let's face it, our institute, Lynn, everything we do, are just people are just incredible caregivers of all kinds. Mm. Uh, first responders are, I love them. I love what they do. Um, I love what we do. And um, I want to pass it on to those people. If I could give somebody uh, one thing that will help them, it's the folks that want to run the other way or bury their head in the sand and maybe even justify it in their own mind that blame others for it and I've seen that and they find lots of ways to hide out don't do it don't do it take a look at what needs to be done and face it and move through it and you won't have any regrets you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM we'll be back after a short break Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Um, Peter, we have one more segment left. <coughs> and again, this has just flown by. And I want to ask you about something that we haven't really talked about yet um, as regarding hope. Mm -hmm. And that is spirituality. I knew you were going to bring that. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not talking, as you always say, I'm not talking religion. It may be, but um, that's not what we're but talking But not specifically. You, mm -hmm. Just before our break, you mentioned um, uh, the loving care that people give that becomes selfless. Yeah. And, and that it's in the Bible. And I know you're a man of faith. Uh, and so how has your spirituality uh, come in, played its part in your being mm -hmm. hopeful? Well... I don't want people to think that I was always such an enriched spiritual, just a, a higher being, a higher possibly? being, because <laughs> that's not the way it worked for me. And most of the people that are my friends come from a much different side of life too. We all come from the, you know, the other side of the tracks, and so none of it, none of us have had to come easily. But you know, one of the things about dealing with traumatic experiences, it, you realize in the midst of it. That there's a greater, there's a power that goes so far beyond ours and is in control and will determine in those seconds whether a person is going to live or die or what's going to happen. And we have no control over it. We can deal with the needs at the moment, you know, money, you know, whatever the crisis is or whatever, or whatever difficulties there are. But we don't have the power. 
And uh, you can't deny that there is some kind of spiritual st determinant that is so much higher and more powerful, and it's out of our hands. I've had that experience more than once in my life. Do I, I do believe in God, and yes, I am a spiritual man. I wouldn't say that, you know, I look at religiosity and the ritualized uh, way at times, and, and I was raised with that kind of ritualized religiosity. I'm not a man of, you know, who does well with hypocrites, people who pretend to be religious but don't have that character and strength. I don't do well with that. But those that are real, I don't care what their religious persuasion. Frankly, I respect their spiritual strength and their relationship with God. Um, and when I, I'm not just when they talk it, but what do they do with it? How are they making the world better place? Um, that's what I look for. So yes, I am a spiritual man. In fact, I know that a lot of my strength is so far beyond my own. And there's a, a verse in the Bible and it says, you know, uh, God comes into his own in our weakness. His strength comes into its own in our weakness. And there is no question about it from my life experience that it's true. Um, being a strong guy and a guy that really can hold up a lot and be a leader for most of his life, I can assure you I'm so far beyond my own limitations, and yet the resilience, the strength goes on. So there is a, there is a higher power in my life and in, in life in general. Not everybody embraces that. I do. But I, had, I was a very cynical, tough one to convince. And I had to be brought to my knees by life experiences more than once. But after a while, there was no, sh no doubt in my mind that I wasn't in charge. And I might have had the best laid out, well-developed plans for things. And it didn't turn out that way. Because God had another plan. And the message to me was very clear that I am to serve his plan and seek his plan and will for life um, and to serve that and to serve my fellow man. That's really what I go by. And I want to be there where the need is. I also want to have a heart for people there. And the Bible also says, how can we possibly be there for others who are struggling if we don't struggle? How can we be there? And then the Bible talks about it in terms of sinfulness. How are we going to help people through their their sinfulness if we don't have to deal with our own? I believe that. <laughs> I don't come across as some per perfect, perfect being. I don't deny my sinful nature and my difficult nature. It's not always so good. In fact, it's probably worse than a lot of people and a lot more dangerous. And yet, that's not the road that I've been on. That's not the path that I'm on. So I look at all that and I go, okay, there's been another purpose in my life. And... I'm here to fulfill that purpose. And until God calls me home, and that means going when my end of my life is over and I'm going to be with him in heaven, I'm here to serve. I'm here to help others that are suffering and in pain and struggling and to share my own experiences and to use that to give them strength and encouragement and hope. Not by just words, but by example and by empathy and and yes, I am. I want to give them some of my strength, too, absolutely. And they can look at me and think, now there's a guy that should have been defeated an awful lot of times from what he goes through. He suffered a whole lot more than a lot of people, and yet here he is. I think that is a testimonial 
uh, to the spiritual side of life too and I never want to dismiss that in any way um, and I embrace it personally um, and I encourage other people to do that too, whatever the religiosity is. I know I've, I've seen and you know, in working with you, um, when people come to you, to us, uh, for the trauma recovery work that we do, uh, eventually uh, get around to kind of exploring where people are with their spirituality. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes people are surprised to recognize that trauma actually... Uh, starts to bring up questions around spirituality. Bring there up. is a real strong connection between the experience of trauma <coughs> and and the, the search or the journey or the questions about spirituality that come up for people. Absolutely. And they're always surprised to see that we're not going to proselytize. I, I, you know, I have my own spirituality. I've had people get mad at me because it, it, it accused me of being a traitor uh, because I have a, a walk in life that isn't I was raised as a, a, a pretty, what they call an observant Jew, um, and I'm a Christian um, today, and I've been for a long time. I've been I've been cursed. I've been called a traitor, and yet I'm not going to sit there and attack them for where they are. Um, they may attack me, but what I am interested in is what happened to them that made them so bitter and so cynical and angry. It usually doesn't have anything to do with me. I know that. So, it's, um, it's a very sensitive issue. Um, and I know that I'm not, I'm not here to proselytize. You know, I'm here to encourage people to find their spiritual path and to embrace that and to heal whatever has been damaged and wounded. So, it's a very important part of engaging with life. I've seen plenty of people who claim to be religious and they don't engage. They run the other way and they'll hide behind religiosity. To me, they're hypocrites. Um, they may look good in, in temple or in church on Saturdays or Sundays, um, but honestly, that to me is not real spiritual, a real in, a, a spiritual path with integrity. I know I've seen plenty of people like that. I don't have very much respect for that. Um, and many of them would regard me as their enemy. Um, so, I mean, I, I know that. So there's, you know, these are important issues too. Believe me, they're big issues. Yeah. And we're not, you know, we're not here to proselytize now either. It's just, this is what I've found um, that helps me. The other thing that's coming to mind for me too are some of the veterans that we've worked with mm. have come back from uh, their uh, deployments with what uh, kind of phrase framed for it has been moral injury. Yes. And it is an experience that they have had. Maybe they went mm -hmm. over to serve with a faith mm -hmm. uh, in a higher power in God. And what they saw, what they experienced, what they themselves did is so devastating that it makes them question what we've they seen, have believed. We've actually seen it both ways. But yes, we have seen them. I have a very good friend, Colonel David Rabb, and he's an expert on moral injury. Um, he got his done. With, he did four tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He went back even when he didn't have to to, to uh, oversee and keep his men safe. He's a great man. I love David. Moral injury, or we would call it impoverishment of the soul, bankruptcy of the soul. Um, happens 
And in war, you see the most horrific, evil things going on. Uh, and people do evil things. So we know that that's, that happens. We've seen people turn their back on any, all faith and blame God and go, if there's a God, how could he let any of this, how could he let this kind of thing happen? That kind of question, well, that comes up. It's, I've, I've had that in my mind at times in my life. But I've also seen other people who had no faith, no spiritual awareness at all, and they come out just the opposite. And they go, I've seen things, and they've been through it, and they know there's a greater, higher power in life that brought them back safely, um, that, that brought good as such horror and nightmarish things. So we've seen it both ways. I have friends that are chaplains. I have kids, friends that are uh, doing some very important things today as veterans. Now, I'll say, not everybody's like that. We're talking about different kinds of things. I, I've, seen, I've seen the hypocrites, too, where they profess religiosity of all kinds and judge and condemn others, which I don't see having anything to do with God whatsoever. And they claim it's based on their spirituality and their religiosity. And I would beg to differ with them completely because if you're really a spiritual person, you're not here to condemn. You're not here to judge and put people down um, for having different beliefs, but instead to show a certain understanding and compassion and acceptance and come alongside them as a fellow human being. Um, that to me is more important. That's more God-like than the other. And the other people can be the most religious people in the world. They don't like me usually, um, and they can be whatever they want. But um, these are important things to me. And, and it, it's one thing that through a lot of going through a lot of trauma is it strips you to a place where you've got to find your integrity. You've got to find your character and strength. Now, I know not all people do, but it's there. And when you're stripped, you come to face to face with yourself and who you really are. Um, and I think that's that can be the beginning of discovery. And that's a very important time of development and growth to be. In, and I believe in that. Yeah. All right. We are coming to the close. We have just a few more seconds before I let everyone know how to get in touch with us. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you'd like to add, just a final close? Yeah, I thank people for listening. Uh, I hope we're helping people where they where they need to be helped. I hope they don't hear me as a proselytizer because that's not what I am. Um, I'm sharing what worked for me and where I am. And I'm no totally uh, evolved human being. On the contrary. You're evolving. Um, I'm evolving and being broken and all the time. And I feel just like anybody else does. So I don't want to ever feel that you're seeing me sit on a higher throne than anybody else because it isn't true and I don't want to be there. Never. No. I don't want to sit behind a pulpit. No, I'm with you on that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And we are going to continue next week, next episode, uh, on this essential, really important topic of hope. Thank you. The Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. If our podcast and the information we provided benefited you today... I think it may have, uh, or someone you care about, please think about supporting us by giving to Sonoma Coast mm -hmm. Trauma Treatment 
sctraumatreatment.org, and there's a tool on our website to uh, make a donation. Uh, please also like us on our Facebook page or follow us on Instagram, The Survivor's Guide to Life. Uh, if you have a question for Dr. Bernstein or myself, our phone number is 707-781-3335. Thank you so much for listening, and please join us again next time. Thank you.